Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. So this week we continue our sermon series, Praying the Jesus Way. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at setting God's name apart and keeping it holy, hallowed. And then last week, we were looking at how we need to usher in more of the kingdom, and it requires us to play our part in it, that we should live in this kingdom culture with kingdom values. And if more of that was in our earth, then our world would look very, very different. And this week we come to the line, give us this day our daily bread. And the thing is, this line deals with so much more than just bread. And while the the Lord's Prayer is one that we can just say all by itself, we need to remember that it is also a pattern for our prayer. And that each line fits perfectly together with one another. So while we are going through this prayer line by line, we need to remember that they have a direct correlation with one another. And this week we'll see how that works out with this line, give us this day our daily bread. It deals with our needs being met by God. And as a youngster, I was always confused Because I was always of the opinion that if you just prayed to God, you would get what you wanted. As if God was some kind of genie who was just there to grant my wishes. I prayed passionately that I would receive things. I'm a bit scared to share some of this because my mom and dad might watch this later on. (laughs) However, one example would be my papa's wallet. Now, my papa died this weekend, 31 years ago, just weeks after my ninth birthday. And as the eldest grandchild, I received his wallet. That was what I was was given. And I'd carry that wallet everywhere with me, everywhere. I'd take it to school every day. And I'm not even sure why, because I was a nine-year-old. I didn't have anything to put in a wallet at nine years old. But I lost that wallet more times than I would care to admit. I prayed so many prayers that that wallet would turn up. There was one particular instance. I came home and my mum said to me, where's your papa's wallet? It was like she could read something in me. It's in my bag. So lie straight off the bat it's in my bag and i went running back because that's where i thought it was but i wasn't 100 percent sure opened it up and the wallet wasn't in my bag at all i didn't sleep a wink that night i was praying so passionately that that wallet would turn up in the bag in the morning that god was magic 
and that he could just magic this wallet into my bag. But it wasn't there. I was so confused because I thought that the Bible taught us that we should ask God for what we want and we'll get it. In chapter 7 of Matthew, one of my grandmother's favorite scriptures, and she used to quote it all of the time, in Matthew 7, verse 7, where it says, Ask and it will be given you. Search and you will find. I was confused as a child because I heard that phrase so often that I thought you just asked for it and you would get it. However, that doesn't seem to be the case at all. There are many instances in the Bible where people don't get what they want at all. But they always seem to get what they needed. You see, I asked for that wallet to be in the bag in the morning and it wasn't. And I went to school petrified thinking, what have I done? This wallet is gone forever. I'd been entrusted with something really, really special and I'd blown it. As I stood outside that classroom in the corridor, as we had to line up before we went into class. And I'm at the back, W, I was always at the end of the register. And I looked down and underneath the radiator was my grandfather's wallet. I don't know how it got there, but anyway. And I'd love to tell you that I took greater care of this wallet over the years, that I never ever lost it again, and that I never ever had to pray a passionate prayer that this wallet would turn up, but I would be lying to you. I lost it so many more times. But I know exactly where that wallet is in the manse. It is in a box, and it will never come out the box, and I will never carry it around again because I refuse to lose it again. Now, I'm not sure that I needed that wallet. Maybe I did as a nine-year-old. I took. A, I was a lot of guilt there for a nine-year-old that I'd been given this responsibility and I felt that I'd blown it. But I knew that I could speak to God in my distress. And that's a gift and one that I'm so thankful for. And the thing is, we see many instances in the Bible where people prayed and asked God for things and they don't get what they want. But there are so many more examples where God provides for his people's need. And I've always been fascinated by the story of the Israelites. So we read through Exodus and, and into Numbers and Deuteronomy. We find that they're, they're stranded and they're walking in the wilderness. They find themselves starving. They're out in the wilderness. They're praying to God that they would receive food. And he responds to their need. See, in Exodus chapter 17, verses 4 and 5, we read this. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. And each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. And that way I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So God saying you need to take the Sabbath on the Sunday. Take one day off. They receive this manna from heaven 
something that they'd never ever tasted before. They didn't even know what it was. It was like flakes on the ground. They had no idea what it was, but it was exactly what they needed at the time. However, if we were to move forward into the book of Numbers, we're able to read of them getting sick of it. And then they start to complain. They'd received this, this gift from God and over time they get sick of it. They want meat and they want all this other stuff. They even want to go back to Egypt where they were slaves rather than doing what they're doing at the moment and being free and being led to the promised land. They would rather go back to Egypt. But clearly they didn't get what they wanted because in verse 35 of Exodus 17, we read that the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the habitable land, until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. This manna from heaven that was sustaining them wasn't enough because they were struggling with wanting more and more rather than being thankful for the fact that they were receiving what they needed. And you see, that's the tension that we live with because we quite rightly look for happiness. But sometimes we seek and we ask for happiness by thinking so many things, but we do look to think we might find it in the wrong places. As I say, the Israelites even said to Moses they wanted to go back to Egypt that somehow that would make them happy. You see, for example, we might think that if we just had more money, then we'd be happy. If we just had a little bit more money. But we don't have to look very far into our world that we realize that no amount of money will make you happy if you're already unhappy. You know, it might be able to, you might be able to go and buy things and it might make you a little bit happy for a very short while, but it's not going to be a... We're built for relationship. And you can't get that in stuff. And I always caveat that by saying that it's not that money is wrong, or we, we do need money to, to exist. It's just that, that pursuit of more and more and more. That's never going to bring you happiness if you are already unhappy. We read of so many people who, whose lives are just ruined. Or what about if we just had a, a better job? If I just had a better job, then things would be great. I lost count of the amount of Monday mornings that I would sit at my desk when I was in the civil service and think if I just had a better job, my life would be great. I'd be so much happier. So I would go and get another job doing the exact same thing that I was doing, just in a different location. And it wouldn't take very long before we got to Monday again. And I would sit there and think, if I just had a better job, I'd be so happy. I'd be so much more happy. The thing is, that type of pursuit won't bring you the happiness that you're looking for if you just keep doing the same thing of going, thinking that if you just change desk, that somehow it's going to get great. 
It took me 10 years in the civil service and in project management before I found my true calling. A complete shift in what I would do for a job, if you want to call this a job. It's not. It's not a job. But I believe every single person has a calling in their life. And that'll be different for different people. And I think that when that's in sync with what you do for employment, then that's when you'll get true happiness. When you find that thing that you are supposed to do. It might be teaching, nursing, it might be working in a shop, it might be painting, it might be whatever. When you find that that's the thing that you were made for, and that it gets in sync, that's when you become happy. Not with more money or prestige. Or what about if we, if we just had a, a better family? What if we just had a better family? Families are great, right? If we just met more often, if we were closer to one another, life would be so much better. And I suppose in a Christian context, we might wonder just how happy we'd be if we were in the perfect church, if our church was perfect, if we had the perfect music, perfect hymns were chosen every week, if we just had the perfect minister. There's no such thing, by the way. There's no such thing as a perfect church either. You see, we all come here with our different backgrounds, our different passions, desires, beliefs. And that's what makes the church brilliant. A rich tapestry of gifts and backgrounds and passions. Of course, there will be times where bringing all that together doesn't feel brilliant at all because we're human beings and we tend to clash on things. Nine times out of ten, we clash on things that actually are pretty minuscule in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't feel perfect at all. And there is no perfect church because it's filled with human beings. And there's always that tension between looking to sort everything out by ourselves or relying on God to deliver our needs. It might be that we stick rigidly to a pattern of, of worship, that we don't move from it, we stick to it. We've done it this way. Another one of my grandmother's wonderful phrases. It's I've been done that way, Neil. Says, well, things are changing. It might be that we keep our finances under lock and key, that we only use them in extreme circumstances. That other phrase, we need to keep that money for a rainy day. Of course, we should be good stewards. We should be good stewards of what we have but not to the point where we try to hang on to everything. We don't spend anything out of this bounty that God has given us. And if there's anything that we know from these last few years is that we have no idea what's around the corner. 
The world is moving at such a pace. And then it can be stopped. And we don't know how to react to it. We look at the current state of the Church of Scotland, which has actually been in decline since the 1950s. is a new thing. It's going to require radical action more now than ever before. It's going to require us to listen to and to respond to what God is wanting to do as individual churches as well as our denomination. We don't have the luxury. We simply do not have the luxury to forget this line in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to rely on and receive from our Heavenly Father and use what we are given. You see, at the start of the sermon, I said that this line, or indeed any of them, shouldn't be seen in isolation, that they all work together. And this line is a logical step for Jesus as he's teaching this on prayer. That after we've looked at these things that we've looked at the last couple of weeks, that, that this line is a logical step. Jesus knows that if we are to keep God's name holy and set apart daily, or if we're committed to cultivating and, and living in this kingdom, culture and values, that it's going to be hard work. That if we try and do this stuff on our own, it's hard work. That we need to receive from God daily for the strength that will be needed to carry it all out. Jesus knows that and that's why he's sharing it with us in this prayer. That we need to go daily to God to receive this daily bread. And I find it interesting that Jesus uses bread as the illustration. See, to the people that Jesus is speaking to, there's no supermarket where you can just go down and pick up a loaf that will last you a week. Tons of preservatives and whatever else is in the, in the bread. Bread needed to be baked every day and eaten or else it goes off or hard. Jesus also uses bread as the illustration because it's part of the diet of the people that he's speaking to. It was a staple in their diet. They needed to, to bake and eat bread daily that it would sustain their bodies. That it was the thing that they ate. So Jesus is using that as a, an example of needing your physical needs met. But there's this flip side to it that we need to receive from God every day that we would be spiritually nourished, spiritually well-fed. And I think it's up until relatively recently in the, the history of, of humankind, bread was a staple of our diet too. But now we have so much choice. There are clearly some foods that are good for us and others that are not so good for us. That's usually things that taste nice. But they're not going to sustain us for very long. 
it's important that we take away from this line of the Lord's Prayer that we need to be well fed. And that there's two aspects to it. There's the physical side that we need met by God. And that shouldn't be disregarded. It's important that we have food in our bellies. Indeed, we sang about it at the start of our service. Amazing Harvest Hymn speaks about those good gifts coming from God. But equally, we need to ensure that we are being spiritually fed on a daily basis. I'm mindful in John's Gospel, where just after Jesus has spoken to the Samaritan woman, the disciples come along and they say, Rabbi, you need to eat. Clearly, it's been a while since Jesus had something to eat. And he says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. I have food to eat that you do not know about. Jesus is talking about the spiritual food that he received from his Father in heaven. That at the time, the disciples knew nothing of. They would only ever understand it properly after Jesus' resurrection and when the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. But we too need to do that daily because having our physical well-being and our spiritual well-being well-fed, they go in tandem. It's not one over the other. We need to be doing both. And I don't know about you, but I can tell when I am spiritually drained or depleted and it needs to be nourished. It's usually when I'm a bit tired or I've had a, a full-on day because I know that my first thought should always be to go to the healthy, nourishing food that will sustain my body. Reach for the salad bowl, Neil. That's what I know that I should be doing. However, the first place that I usually go is to the cupboard because that's where I know the crisps and the biscuits are. I don't reach for the good stuff, the stuff that will sustain me. But when I'm in a good place, physically and spiritually, it's much easier to continue both of these patterns, making sure that I'm physically nourished and spiritually nourished. Get into that pattern of eating better things, putting a lock on the cupboard, I don't have a lock on my cupboard. It's in my mind. It becomes easier to receive that spiritual food as well. When we're committing to it daily, it becomes part of our pattern. And that'll look different for each of us. For some, it might be that we really benefit from spending time in the morning, reading a few verses from the Bible, maybe a devotional that's guiding you through the scriptures, just receiving from God through his word as you start your day. It may be that you spend more time in prayer, just sitting with God in that, in that space and allowing God to, to give you what you need. Or it may be listening to, to worship music or podcasts, 
better preachers than me that just allows you to to receive from God within that be spiritually fed and it's important that Jesus emphasizes the daily nature of it that it's not something you just do every now and again that it is a daily thing and that's because when we do commit to it daily it becomes an easier thing to do it doesn't become as daunting we might start to think oh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be able to do that every day just take each day as a time at a time and it's not that that pull to go off on our own way and forget to be spiritually fed goes away or evaporates it's still there the tension is always going to be there but the tension becomes more bearable because you're not depleted spiritually you're making sure that you're fed up well fed spiritually too start to have that balance we're able to give thanks to God for all the good gifts that he has given us in our life. And the thing is, we're too aware, all too aware, that there are still those in our world who don't have the opportunity to have their physical needs met. They don't have the opportunity to have their belly full, far less their spiritual life full. And that's why, as a church, universal, we need to reach out and bring more of that kingdom to earth. That we have those things that I spoke about last week, those kingdom values, part of the culture, that we, we have compassion, we have a high value on, on peace, that we want to serve others. That we make sure that we're not fighting with one another, but we're looking to fight to ensure that there's a better distribution of the earth's resources. And we can only do that when we are physically and spiritually nourished and fed. That we get that strength from God to do it. That more and more people would be able to wake up with in bed, with a roof over their head, food in their belly, ready to receive that daily bread from God, their Father in heaven and ours. Now I'm going to leave you with a question this morning. What is the daily bread that you need from God today? What is that daily bread that you need to receive from God today? I want you to think about that. And as you go through this week, spend time daily receiving from God. Receive that bread from your Father in heaven. Asking for that thing that you need. And God will show you the way to receive it. Let's pray. Father, we give you all thanks and praise. We give you all the glory. We thank you that we receive from you daily all those things that we need. And would you help us to discern what is a want or a desire and what is actually a need. Help us to receive from you daily in order that we might usher in more of your kingdom here. That we would play our part, that more would be well fed physically in order to receive from you spiritually. 
Father, help us to lessen that tension of trying to rely on our own selves when we know that we should rely on you. Almighty and loving Father, would you hear our prayer? Would you sustain us? For we ask it in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.